The scripture this morning is going to be found on page 1647. It's John, the first chapter, verses 35 through 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of the God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, What is it that you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when it translated means Peter. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the words that I'm about to share, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be in them. Guide us and direct us today, Lord, to take what we hear and be stronger disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you think about when someone says to go evangelize? Does it make you a little nervous? Many dictionaries, including the Bible dictionary, defined evangelism as public preaching. How many like to preach in public? Not too many, huh? <laughs> so it's not surprising that the first response most, most Christians explain in panic is, I can't speak to people, no way. That is just not my gift. I usually think, when I think evangelism, I immediately think of Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist in our time. How do I measure up to him? And then there's lots of books out there, how to do evangelism. We tried a class here once, many years ago, called Become a Contagious Christian. I have to say, it didn't click for me. I don't know if it clicked for anybody else. Each of these books tout that we will make disciples by using his or her method. My question is, if these methods really worked, why are our churches still declining in attendance or closing their doors? Could it be that we have a lopsided view of evangelism. Let's take a look a little bit closer. You may or may not have heard of a man named Edward Kimball. His name is but a footnote in the pages of church history. He was the antithesis or the opposite of a bold evangelist, being timid 
and soft-spoken. But he was a dedicated Sunday school teacher who had a heart to bring others to Christ. One afternoon, he went to a Boston shoe shop where a young man, about 19 years old, was working. He went to that shoe store frightened, trembling, and unsure of whether he had enough courage to confront this young man with the gospel. This young man, who had begun attending Kimball's Sunday school class, was a crude and was illiterate about the Bible, according to Kimball. The whole notion of speaking to him about Christ caused Kimball, in his own words, to tremble in his boots. The story goes that he found the young man working in the stockroom, wrapping and shelving shoes. Kimball said he spoke with limping words, and he later revealed, I never could remember just what I said, something about Christ and his love. That was all. He admitted it was a weak appeal. But then and there, this young man gave his heart to Christ. And that young man was D.L. Moody, who would be used by the Lord as one of the greatest and well-known evangelists born in, America, uh, in England, but he was known both in America and England. Because of a, so a soft-spoken, timid Sunday school teacher, who, though apprehensive, faithfully introduced another individual to Christ. And through his faithfulness, the gospel was spread, and more and more were welcomed into the kingdom of God. An evangelist is also one who spreads the gospel by personal witness. So not only is he a public speaker, but personal witness. Edward Kimball was much like Andrew. Are you an Andrew? The Andrew I speak about is the one in our gospel um, text today. We know Andrew as one of Jesus' disciples, and yet there are few references about him. He's called the first evangelist, and yet we defer to his brother with that title. However, what is recorded about him will reveal his character. We do not know exactly when Andrew and the other man that is talked about in this scripture first became disciples of John the Baptist. We can't speculate. It was soon after John began his ministry at the Jordan. People were flocking to the Jordan River to see what was going on. As Jews, they had been immersed in the Old Testament prophecies and were longing to see daybreak in the gloom of Roman rule. When would the Messiah come and set us free from these overlords? Even the synagogue ministry was cold, formal, and lifeless. Thus, with a soul awakened in an age of indifference, Andrew was intensely interested in what he had heard of a new movement down in the valley of the Jordan. Can you imagine Andrew grabbing one of his closest friends and saying, come with me down to the Jordan River. Everyone's talking about it. Could he be the Messiah? 
although the call of repentance was stern and unyielding from a ragged-looking preacher, it was apparent that the call stirred their hearts. Though he stated he was not the Messiah, there was something about his message that people began to follow him. Andrew and others became disciples under John's teachings. Andrew had to be zealous for God, actively seeking and desiring to be found ready when the Messiah appeared. And then that day came. Jesus is pointed out by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. This is what Andrew had been waiting for. The Baptist preached that one greater than he was coming. And, and when he appeared, John prepared them for this very moment. He stepped back, became less, as the next part of God's plan unfolded. Andrew and another disciple did not hesitate but turned and followed Jesus. First, Andrew followed Jesus to his residence. But by the end of that day, he was a follower. It was this day that Andrew became the first disciple of Jesus. Later, the early church would give him the name, the first called. We don't know what they talked about, for the remainder of that day. But the first thing Andrew did when he left was to go straight to his brother, Simon Peter. Who better than the one closest to him, his big brother, to let him know not only did they find the Messiah, but come on, I want you to meet him. Bringing others to Jesus is very characteristic of Andrew as we will discover. John's Gospel reference, references Andrew as a disciple absorbed in the task of sharing his great treasure. First his brother Simon Peter, then he brought a young lad's meager lunch in which Jesus turned it into a blessing for 5,000 people. Andrew was the first to bring some inquiring Greeks, Gentiles, of all people to Jesus when they asked to speak to him. Church history also calls him the first evangelist. An evangelist is but a beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Andrew was a true evangelist for without delay, the first disciple became the first missionary and the forerunner of personal evangelism. Both Andrew and Peter are known as evangelists. However, they had very different personalities. Peter was bold and impetuous. Andrew was content to be in the background. So by definition, how can they both be evangelists? Peter would become that public preacher. Andrew would share through his personal witness. We never hear that Andrew was jealous of Peter either. As soon as soon Peter became 
one of the three closest disciples to Jesus. Though he was in that group, you will read Peter, James, John, and Andrew, he was quietly doing the ministry of Christ out of the limelight. So evangelism is both bold and it's behind the scenes. Are you an Andrew? It is amazing that through a few references in scripture, we can learn characteristics and principles Andrew exemplified. We might find affirmation or use these as a way to examine our spiritual walk so that we may apply it to our own lives. So our first one is our spiritual growth begins with spiritual desire. Ask yourself, am I sensitive to the things of God? Jesus had turned to those two disciples and he said, what do you want? If Jesus asked you that question, what would be your response? What do you want? What is your heart yearning for? Is there an empty place inside of you that you attempted to fill? A place that longs for something more? Is that yearning your spiritual desire to know God and be known? Spiritual desire is God's prevenient grace, beckoning us to follow him. Andrew exemplified spiritual desire to have a fellowship with God when he sought time with these two holy men. His heart was aware of God's movement, first under the mentorship of John the Baptist, and especially under the teachings of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. Andrew was also teachable. He was willing to turn to follow Jesus after the bidding of his previous mentor, John. Often people who have good, a good thing, or feel safe right where they are, get mired down in that thing and are unwilling to learn or do something new. How often have we heard this statement, we've always done it that way, there's no reason to change. The operative word here for being teachable is willingness. Being willing to look at perspectives, new perspectives, grapple with a new thought, or be open to try a new way. Change can cause anxiety. But where do we start? We start with the word of God. Many times in Proverbs we are told about instruction and to be wise. Give instructions to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. And in Timothy, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. With his spiritual desire leading him, Andrew willingly left his mentor, John the Baptist, with a heart open to go into the unknown with the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Are you available? Jesus is asking followers who are available to serve. 
The body of Christ has been given different gifts by the Holy Spirit, as well as different personalities. Not all of us are equipped to be that bold evangelist. Serving quietly in the background is, an import, is as important as the one who's out in the limelight. And Andrew tends to shine the love of, of Christ one person at a time. Jesus is asking us to look around our little corner of the world. We can't do everything. The thought is overwhelming. However, if each of us are aware of the opportunities surrounding us, we can do something. Are you available for those holy interruptions of God? Relationship building, one-on-one, -on -one, has been found to be the most powerful way to introduce Jesus to another. Did you know that more people accept Christ as their savior through a lay person than they do through a pastor? To speak a word of God's love to another can change their life. There was a survey done by the Barna Group and they said the most prolific method to share Christ in your sphere of influence is to offer to pray with a non-believer who is in need of encouragement and support. We have a roadside prayer station, and we offer prayer by saying, may I pray with you? It gives the other person the right to say no without forcing it on them. It's not a way to push our beliefs, but a way to show God's love, just to pray with them. Are you afraid to do it? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be an Ed Kimball, and do it even if you're shaking in your boots. Powerful movements begin to snowball when we step out and take action. Faith. This goes along with availability. This idea of believing before seeing, doing something new, or stepping out to try different avenues to share Christ, what we call steps of faith. Trusting God as we act, even when the outcome is uncertain. Think about Mary and Joseph, Abraham and Sarah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the crossing of the Red Sea, David and Goliath. Andrew possessed the same kind of faith as these patriarchs, believing God by leaving everything and placing his trust in Jesus, who did not disappoint him. Andrew didn't show partiality or discrimination. Instead, he exemplified a friendly attitude and brought young, old, and Gentile to Jesus. Nothing has been worse for the movement of Jesus Christ than a judgmental, sour, negative Christian. Mahatma Gandhi once said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I don't know about you, but that makes me cringe. It's convicting, and I'm grieved by it. But we have to remember that God is in control. 
And friendliness is contagious. A friendly disposition allows people to be drawn to us and gives us opportunity to share the love of Jesus in our homes, in our workplaces, in the grocery store, on the street. No one has ever won a soul to Christ by being unchristlike. Being friendly comes from a heart of love. Many situations in our world today is allowing fears and opinions to divide not only our country, but the church as well. It really isn't much different than what the Jews experienced by the Greeks and the Romans. Fear is not of God. God is love, and we as Christians are called to be the friend of the friendless. To share Christ is to be a friend and to convey a friendly acceptance of all who desire Jesus. Loving kindness, as well as accepting our many differences, whether refugee, citizen, male or female, is the only way for others to know Christ. Andrew was a solutions kind of guy. He saw a need and he strived to feel it. He was observant. The day Jesus told his disciples to feed the 5,000 people, several of the disciples were stumped, calculating in their head how much it would cost, and wondered in their head how they could possibly provide so much food. Andrew, on the other hand, was pretty observant. Looking for a solution, he brought a little boy to Jesus with five loaves and two small fish. Andrew not only saw, he took action. It's in the small actions of those quietly working in the background. The big miracles often take place. Leaders need observers, those who have fingers on the pulse. It is those who usually see the need before anyone else. And last, he had a global outlook. The last characteristic exemplified by Andrew was a global outlook. In the Gospel of John, we're told three times that Andrew introduced others to Jesus. The third time is in John 12, 20 through 22, when some Greeks who were among the crowd during Palm Sunday festival festivities approached Philip and requested to see Jesus. Philip first sought out Andrew, and together they told Jesus. Told Jesus. What was Jesus' response? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. We're called to bring all people to Jesus. There is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, that is not wanted by God. Philip may have been a bit doubtful, but Andrew did not hesitate to take the Greeks to Jesus. So, are you an Andrew? I think most of us are. We like working in the background. Those, you don't have to have it together spiritually. You don't have to be a bold evangelist, wealthy or wise. So are you an Andrew. Those who are an Andrew have been given gifts to build relationships, to be a powerful personal witness, to follow him with humble devotion, to stay open and teachable. 
Be available when someone has a need. Stand in faith that God is with you and he can do impossible things through you. Be friendly to all people. Look for solutions for the needs around you. And remember that Jesus is the Lord of the world. Amen. Amen.